Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pimples Podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. My name is Alex. I'm going to be more right than Greg. And I am going to be more right than Steve, as always, because Greg is always right. So I am I the mediator on this? Because if we're talking about who's right and who's wrong, um, Greg, that, that tweet you had about pecan tarts over butter tarts, Oh, pecan. Oh, no. It, no, they're butter tarts with pecans in them. Okay. And it's not a butter tart. It is a butter tart. Butter tart is it just. It is not a, a butter tart. Butter tart no, is wrong. the no. sauce. No. <laughs> if it doesn't you can have, have a butter tart without raisins. Yeah, boy, he's wrong already. Now, if you want right, to add bro. pecans as well, I'm all for it. Well, uh, look at this guy. He's a classic flip flopper. No, no, it has are, to have raisins. Are you eating a butter tart right now? You're eating something. No, I'm eating. I'm I'm eating dinosaurs. Oh, red ones. Uh, I'm eating like the green and yellow ones first, so that there's just red ones left. All right. Okay. Oh my god, um, we are the same person. <laughs> I, I'm except I'm right. I'm OCD that way as well, almost. Uh, so uh, wow, next we got sidetracked early. <laughs> Yeah, next week we'll talk football. This week we'll talk snacks uh, here on the Piffles Podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. Give me a follow at Real Alex D. And you'll find me at Safamod. And I do not need nor want your pity follows, especially if you're a bomber fan who decides to come in my feed for no apparent reason at Greg on Sports. <laughs> Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Oh, we're having too much fun already. Let's <laughs> let's tone it down. Let's talk some football here, guys. It's it's uh, the pecan whiskey, I swear. Yeah. Time for the opening kickoff. Well, and that sound effect that we have there with the hit at the end of the opening kickoff, that sounded like Jaden Dalkey on the opening kickoff. What a tone setter Jaden Dalkey was for that game. The Riders beating the Elks. 17 to 3 riders starting the season sorry 17 13 uh starting the season one and oh but that opening kickoff Dalkey sheds his block and then just lays into kyron moore and that was just the start of Jaden Dalkey's fantastic game dude's gonna kill a man this year I, I i don't i can't remember if i tweeted out that publicly or just sent that in a dm to you guys he lowers the boom i don't know what it is about riders and finding like heavy hitting safeties but God damn it. I think he's a clone of Craig Butler. You can't say that on Twitter, though. Somebody's going to attack you for it, remember. Mm. Specifically Blue Bombers fans. Right. I, you know, I, I hate that Jaden Dalkey is looking really good because it's going to do nothing but make Alex look really smart because I'm pretty sure you predicted Dalkey to be successful right out of the gate. So week one did nothing to, like, drop your ego at all. 
between him and Sean Bain Jr. I don't know if we're going to hear the end of it, but uh, kudos, you got those right. Well, I was also big on Stefan Banks, and he didn't make the roster, so um, there's that That's as well. true. That's true. Yeah. But our guys um, didn't even make the first cut, so, you know. Yeah, but Dolkey wasn't a rookie. Dolkey was here last year, so that, that doesn't count. We, <laughs> we went for pure rookies. Yeah. Um, so let's dig into this game here, and uh, we'll start with the offense, because that was the one thing that people really wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see the most. I knew we were going to have good defense this year. Um generally speaking as a whole, they did enough to get by. They won the game. They scored more points than at Edmonton. That's obviously the name of the game. What was your guys' takeaway from, I guess, kind of a mediocre, um, a moderately successful offense to start the season? Honestly, I don't know what why it took to the fourth quarter for our running game to find their rhythm, especially when Edmonton knew we were going to run. And then all of a sudden we could run. Like we were doing it early in the game. We could not seem to get a push. So I'm glad it showed up. It just weird when it showed up. You know, it was fantastic to me seeing an offensive coordinator actually stick with the run game past the first series or two. Like it, it may not have been working. It may not have been going great, but we kept pushing runs and that led to what we saw in the fourth quarter. And that's that's the big deal to me. You you need to keep those runs through the first three to wear them down. I'm I'm not as down on the offense as I think many are. You take a drop by Emelis in the end zone. There was a um, a drop just before that by Breskison. Should have been caught. Not the greatest pass, but should have been caught. I'm cautiously optimistic. I know big shocker for me being optimistic. Well, I'm I'm optimistic as well. My I don't even have concerns, but you could tell, especially on those interceptions, Harris was just trying to force it in when he wasn't comfortable. And I don't know if that was him trying to do too much or if that was just bad decision making. It 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 could have been better. Um and it put put the riders in a situation where it could have been a lot worse, but fortunately the Elks are just bad no i don't think the elks defense actually played all that poorly i thought they were doing okay for the most part but for the riders offense i'm not terribly worried at least not yet yeah i could sit here and nitpick things but this is also a team that had uh trevor harris in for what six plays in the preseason four passes and that was it and this is a brand new group of um like on the o-line it's brand new group of receivers this is you know there's no continuity at all on this offense from last year at all and I thought generally speaking they did okay they were able to move the ball um, effectively when they needed to how about that 103 yard drive immediately after Edmonton took the lead for the Riders to come back and, and tie the game with a with a field goal sucks that they have a 103 yard drive and don't score seven but bottom line line is they scored and it was an answer right away to tie the game back up and keep the team in it so I mean to me this was kind of a classic Trevor Harris game in the sense that he's going to give you some plays and he'll make the odd mistake or two he'll move the ball and we're going to settle for some field goals I do love the fact that we had more 
second down conversions on that drive than Edmonton had all game long. Yep. There were some big time plays uh, in on that last drive too, just running the ball. But it, it was it was a balanced offense in the sense that you know Breskison made a couple plays for first down. Sam Emelis had a couple big plays. Bain had a big catch and and, and run. Uh, like they, it was a nice like just kind of spread the ball out. And and to me, that's exactly what this offense is going to be all year. Well, and that's one thing I liked about this game, like. Yeah, there were some bad decisions made by a couple of players, and there, yeah, there's some bad plays, but still, like Trevor Harris on that 102 yarder deep in her own end zone, or deep in her own end, sorry, like scrambled for the first down, took a slide like he should have, extended that play. Like, there were some bad spots, but there were spots where you go, okay, this team knows what they're doing. And by week three, weeks like between weeks three and week six, this roster is going to change. KSB's coming back. Colin Kelly's going to be on that offensive line. Who knows what's happening with Phil Blake? Like the team we had last night is not going to be the same team in like four weeks. Can we can we talk about that O line for a minute? You you mentioned them. Lofton looked great to me. Am I am I out to lunch on that? He looked fairly solid at left tackle council looked a lot weaker on the other side there was a lot of question marks there especially in the first half but overall i wasn't uh overly upset at the o-line play which when we lost philip blake and had to go furland and johnson in the middle i was definitely more concerned than uh than it ended up then i ended up being well i don't think the the run blocking was that good until the fourth quarter um then all of a sudden they got it going. Um, I, I mean, they gave up two sacks. Probably could have given up more. Um, Harris was able to scramble around a little bit and elude some of those or throw the ball away. That's better than the six that they gave up every single game last year. So I guess that's, I mean, in comparison, that's great, I guess. Um, you know who again, else got like s- sacked six times this year already? Well, how many of those were his happy feet and doing it to himself? Uh, yeah. Some things never change, right? You know, um, the, the the irony is thick on that one. Yeah. But I'm not, I mean, <laughs> again, this whole line is going to be a, a work in progress, especially on the tackles. They they gave enough time um, until the very last play of the game. We're going to talk about that in, in, in a second. Um, oh, will we ever? <laughs> um but they did they did enough. What I really liked in that game was the touchdown to Darrell Walker. Uh, it was just the whole play design that uh, I'm blanking on his first name. Offensive coordinator Jeffrey um, had um, Kelly. had Kelly drawn up. Yeah, Kelly Jeffrey um, was you have Darrell Walker running against the green. Now that play only works on first down near the goal line. It only works then because if it's second down everybody knows you're probably going to pass. I thought the Riders were going to run on first and goal from what was that? The four yard line, three yard line. I thought yep. they were going to run the ball a couple times and maybe bring in Shea Patterson. So the fake handoff to get the ends to bite down and run Darrell Walker across the offense going the other way, I thought it was brilliant. And that only works on first down. And that was the perfect timing for that call. And I know we're going to see that play throughout the year as well too. Obviously it's not going to be called all the time, but 
I, I really like that design. And if that's the kind of wrinkles we're going to see in this offense, then they're going to be very successful going forward. I didn't hate the play calling. It was very well done for 17 points, unfortunately, but I thought it was a well-called game. There's nothing there. I was really going, what, what the hell are you doing besides the final play of the game? But once again, we will get to that when we get there. Okay, well, let's flip it over to the defense. Um, oh my God, that goal line! Well, that's only that's that's the only thing people care about. I am sorry, that goal line stance. I I was like, here we go again. There's gonna be an offside. They're gonna get like six sh- shots of this. Here we go again. And holy hell! I I it, that screaming you heard in the distance was me, because I could not believe they actually pulled that off. And it was big time players making big time plays. It was uh, what was it? Pete Robertson had to stop on the first down. Uh, Jane Dalkey and Dalkey in the second. Yeah. Milligan, yeah, Milligan, uh, all made plays on that goal line stand. And to me, that's way more impressive than seeing a goal line stand in the NFL, simply because of the yard off in the CFL. A yard is a gimme for a quarterback sneak in the CFL. It's not in a back into offense. 95 times like 95 percent of the time yeah so how many how many rider fans had ptsd watching a stephen mcadoo offense not crack it in from the five yard line yeah so i mean and to kill the clock for three minutes immediately after uh to secure the win like that was the game right there so that was an outstanding effort by the defense uh, we mentioned Dalkey. How about the hits he was laying in game? Uh, the first hit on uh, Geno Lewis, which was actually a nice, great pass breakdown or breakup by Amari Henderson, who made a couple plays, forced them to punt on that play. Then later, when the Elks were driving, going for a touchdown, yeah, the pass was a little bit behind the receiver Dunbar, but he still got there and, and broke it up and forced the field goal instead of a touchdown. So he saved some points uh, there, Jeremy. Clark was uh, excellent. Not much more he could have done on that big, long touchdown to Geno Lewis. Geno Lewis just made a play. And I mean, that, that's football. It ha- happens. That was well, perfectly well, defended. <laughs> well, well, if you listen to Chez and uh, Milt on uh, on the panel, they, they said he should have been beside him. But like, I, I couldn't complain. Like, legit, if he had like one more inch, that play was broken up. But Gino Lewis, Edmonton signed Gino Lewis to make that play, and he got it. Good for him. But, yeah, rare is – that was the only play the Elks got that I was concerned about, was that over the top to Gino Lewis because, like I said, that's why they signed him. That that play was, made up 45% of their passing yards – or of their total offensive yards, sorry. Like any, any other receiver – when I got that Clark was in the right position, but it was Gino Lewis making the play. He, he got the money to go to Edmonton for. Well, I interviewed mm-hmm. Gino Lewis last year and uh, I asked him cause it was the big topic about Cody Fajardo and the riders receivers last year, about 50, 50 balls. I asked him about that and he says, no, nah, there is no such thing as a 50, 50 ball with me. It's 90, 10. And the 10% is me making a play so that it's not intercepted. He goes, I'm getting that ball. So, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, he's the highest paid receiver in the league for a reason. 
uh, to go out and do stuff like that. So Clark got his hand on it. If you look at that replay, Clark got his hand on it, and Gino just muscled it away. Like there was little he Clark could do, even though Chaz and Mill tried to say he was in the wrong position, he wasn't. Any other receiver would not have made that catch. But like you guys said, that was literally all Edmonton got pretty much all game long, and the Riders. I was I was curious how they were going to uh, attack Taylor Cornelius because he ran wild over them last year, and they didn't allow that this time. They made him, and Steve, I think it was you who said it last week, that if you force him to throw the ball, you're already winning. And that's basically exactly what it was because even Elks fans, I noticed, were so mad on Twitter all game long at Cornelius, calling for him to be pulled, uh, a few of them, because he was so bad. He he couldn't hit a, a receiver in stride to save his life. That was some of the worst offensive production I I think I've seen in the CFL in quite some time. Like his stats look fine because of that long bomb to to Gino Lewis, but they couldn't convert a second down. They couldn't he couldn't hit a guy on the run. It, every, he hit a guy in the feet for God's sakes on a two yard dump like. I I don't get it with with Cornelius. He would do better in the, and I'm going to hate myself for this, but in the Chris Strebler role where you get the guy, you know, you run with him. You don't you don't pin your success on his arm because if you do, you're going to lose. And I'm sorry, but Edmonton is in for a bad year if he's their if he's their go to guy and they don't have they don't really have anybody behind him. Trey Ford was doing well last year until he got hurt. And then they had to turn to Cornelius and all of a sudden he became a Chris Jones guy. But I don't know. Like, it's funny. Like, you see a lot of CFL pundits in the last 24 hours talk about how Edmonton is trying to get the receivers to bring Cornelius's game up. Problem is, though, Cornelius touches the football every down. You need him to get the football to the receivers. Yeah, a guy like Geno Lewis is going to make him good, but you don't have five Geno Lewis's on the field at a time. So what are you going to do? Like, I think by game six, this is going to be either Kyle Oxley or Trey Ford on the field. I I don't see Cornelius having, if he keeps on having a game like this last game, I don't see him going further. And to me, that's a bigger issue in the CFL I wrote about was just lack of, elite quarterbacks and that's in the NFL as well too a whole bunch of average at best guys and that's to me Taylor Cornelius I, I don't even know if I'd put him at average at best right now um, but I mean ultimately you want these guys to do good and have you know a golden era of quarterbacks like we saw in the 90s or even the, uh, the early 2010s late 2000s right like there was some hall of fame level quarterbacks you look at it now how many guys are hall of fame quarterbacks there's, I mean, Zacaleros, Trevor Harris. Then... Really? Trevor Harris? I put, Hall of Fame the, I put him in the Hall of Fame. Hey, well, sorry. I, would, I, I wouldn't. Interesting. Mm, okay, I'm just trying to think guys who can get there. Like, Kevin Glenn's on the Hall of Fame yet, yeah, and that's garbage. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, I guess. Sorry. Yeah, he'll be in. And then, yeah, she Trevor Harris would be third on the list if he makes it. But yeah, after that, who? 
but yeah, you want to you want to get to that level of quarterbacking again, where we saw you know Ricky Ray, Darian Durant, um, Henry Burris, Anthony Calvillo, um, you know all the big time Michael Riley, like big big time major quarterbacks. That's what we want to see ultimately in the CFL, and I just don't see that with with this crop right now, especially with Taylor Cornelius. Um, we got two more things to talk about, and we're going to talk about the most the most talked about thing from this. Bubble corner punt by Corsak. We didn't oh, mention that, that was actually. beautiful. That was, holy man, Kari Vedvik is not getting his job back. Corsak <laughs> was fantastic. That coffin corner plus the big leg. He can place the ball and. That's everything you want out of out of a punter. When he hit that coffin corner, I'm like, and the worst part is TSN didn't really show it. I'm like, did he just put that out at the one and we just kind of ignored it, and went straight to commercial? And then we come back from commercial and sure sure enough, the elks are literally lined up at their one. I'm like, holy hell. He, he grazed the end zone marker. Like, I don't think I've seen a closer coffin corner than that. Just perfectly placed, good bounce. And I love I love his unique kicking style. If you watch him, he doesn't kick the same way ever. He'll do that little rollout and kick. He'll do it's fun to watch. It's exciting, and that's not something you usually see out of a punter. So, sorry, Vedvik, but uh, your your short your short rider career may be coming to an end. But even that one, like even the one that he didn't kick, like corner kick it, he kind of put it short of the end zone. It bounced, and the receiver, the returner was like, "Oh crap! I need to play this because it's not making the end zone." He had just enough backspin on it to make them question what they were doing. Like amazing skill as a punter, and there's a reason why I drafted him in my CFL draft last night because uh, I think he's going to be really good this year. All right. Well, now we'll get to the most important thing, and that's the nicknames. Most importantly, Ryan Rashog forever butt sniffer. is known as Butt Sniffer. And, and you want to be Glue Guy. Was... It, glue Guy ain't going to sniff, stick. Um, yeah, so on the broadcast, TSN, it was uh, Ryan Rashog asking Trevor Harris on on Saturday when they met with the media, um, give quarterback or give, like, what was the whole nickname thing that happened in, in Saskatchewan? And, and Trevor Harris, uh, told all the receivers, you're going to get a new nickname. You have 15 seconds to decide. And they all did. They all picked their own nickname, except you could, for Darrell Walker. Well, no, Darrell Walker still did, but he waited to do Darrell Walker's. For, but, yeah, they had to pick their own nickname, and it could be nothing they could be ever called before. So, yeah, there's some obvious ones. But, yeah, he did Darrell Walker's during his TSN interview. I, I call question marks on Ryan Rashog never having been called butt sniffer before. Come on. No, no. I'm... Harris gave him that nickname. Yeah. The, the know, nickname I'm... Rashog picked oh, for himself good. was Glue Guy. Yeah, oh, right, glue. right, right. I don't know if I've ever heard another like one person call another one a butt sniffer before. I've heard Trout Sniffer from Home Alone, but never butt sniffer. There's got to be a famous butt sniffer quote out there somewhere. There's Ryan Butt Sniffer Rashog. <laughs> Uh, and I love that he didn't even like bat an eye at it. He's just a, a grown man calls you a butt sniffer, and you're just like, okay, yeah, like just gonna 
finish this finish this piece of uh, audio and video that I need, and we'll, we'll yeah. just move on. Yeah. <laughs> A glue guy, but I guess. I didn't. I didn't think I could possibly like Trevor Harris more, but he just seems like such a like goofy dude. And he feel he, to me, he feels like exactly the type of quarterback this city needs. Just that, you know, that veteran presence, but that little bit of goofy fun attitude. I think it's going to be a fun year in Rider Nation. And that's such a good way to build the team, build cohesion with the team, build the rapport with the team and your teammates is to not necessarily just be the goofy guy, but you can be the ultimate serious guy that we know Trevor Harris is on the field and still be that other guy as well. And we've seen that happen with so many other quarterbacks in the past where they can blend that really well and it works out for their team. And that's exactly what I hope happens here because Trevor Harris, he's, I mean, when he's locked in, he's locked in. Uh, He still has the record for most completions in a row. Um, in the CFL. So we know the guy can throw the ball, but when you can add in that little extra, you know, off field stuff that just brings everything together a little bit more, makes these guys trust each other just that little bit more. Not when you're going to see wins start piling up is when this team is having fun together and you have a guy like Trevor Harris at the helm, you're going to have fun. So now will they have Trevor Harris at the helm this upcoming Friday? Uh, God the damn Bomber it, Dickie. God damn it. Craig Dickinson decided. So there were seven seconds left in the game, and it was third down. It's not the wrong call. The 30, on the 30, it was on the 31 yard line. Yeah. Um, so 24. 38 yard, 24. So it would have been a 31 yard yeah. field goal for uh, Brett Lother, uh, which we've seen him make. And we saw him miss this game. We saw him miss this game, we, too. And now that obviously factored into the decision. He had a poor preseason two game against uh, Winnipeg, uh, missed his first field goal attempt of the season in week one here against Edmonton. So that obviously factored into the decision, but you have to trust your kicker. This guy is the best kicker in the league uh, for a reason. And even but if he misses, let's I, say he I, misses. I, I don't hate misses, the call. I don't hate the call. Ball still probably goes through the end zone, though. You're still going to get a single point at worst. What? There's one second left. But Maybe. even if, but but if he doesn't, like you can't risk the chance of a return. I I don't hate the call. The call was the right call. The yeah, it the was the per, the personnel the personnel decision was the dumb part. That is that is there why are... you have that is why you have the Patterson package. That is why you have Shafamod out there. There there is a reason why you have him on the roster and you roll out you. QB you roll out QB1 and he gets destroyed because the offensive he, line can't keep on going for 7 seconds because if they do it's a hold and you're doing it over again you know what the, the entire offensive line holding there would have been a great decision there's no bad that can come from that. If they all sit there and hold and the play lasts 10 seconds, then they just take a knee because the clock would be at zero. I don't know why the offensive line didn't just tackle everybody in front of them. That would, that would have been the right call there. Shea Patterson was the right decision to throw at a quarterback, but you got to tell your offensive line, grab, grab a guy and don't let go. Just, Make sure it's obvious. Don't doesn't matter. There is no bad that can come from taking a holding penalty in that situation. 
Now, didn't this actually instead they allowed? Something? Didn't this happen a couple of years ago with Henry Burris with Ottawa, where he tried to throw, or maybe it was Calgary, uh, but it was Henry Burris. I know this. And he tried to throw a what seven second ball, I think he called it, it ended up being a six second ball, and gave the other team one second. So there's no guarantee that this would actually kill the clock. And sure, if that's what you want to go with that that play call, fine. I don't have that big of an issue with the call. But like you said, that's that's a Shea Patterson thing. Albert Owachi should have taken a wildcat snap and just ran around, run backwards for six seconds, and then just fall down. Do something run, different. Run back, to the, run back to the 20-yard line. It yeah, doesn't matter. Leaving your, quarter, your starting quarterback in on that with what you know is a very questionable offensive line, that's my issue. This old line can't be trusted to hold, or like to hold blocks for three seconds. Now you want them to hold for seven? Like, come on. You got to know a little bit better than that. If you're Craig Dickinson, you have to be better than that. And, and you Trevor combine Harris that decision with a, his. And Trevor Harris was down for a while. Like that hurt him. And he said post game that he was not feeling very good. Um, yeah. He'll probably still play against Winnipeg, but. If that turns into a lingering thing, that's, I mean, that's not good. And that's 100% on Craig Dickinson. And that's his job right there, probably career as a head coach. You know, there were two things I had for Dickinson going into this year. The team needed more discipline, which I feel like was successful last night. And the other was making sure that they... um, that they made good clock management and game time decisions. And to me, they, they failed at both of those in at the end of both halves, there was a, a complete cock up from, from Dickinson, like the, the, um, the first half taking a timeout with 14 seconds left when you had six or seven seconds left on the, <laughs> I don't know why I, good, found so, I don't know why I found that so funny. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, go ahead. You take a timeout with 14 seconds left instead of with instead of winding the six or seven seconds left on the clock, and you gave Edmonton a hail mary at the end of the half. Like there was no reason to take that timeout at that spot, but he did Picked it. Off by Jaden Dalkey, by the way. Yep, beautiful. Of course it was. Who else would it be? But the, that's one thing that we need to see better from from Dickinson because that has been an issue throughout his coaching career and to start week one with two very questionable end of half decisions is not a good look and a little worrisome. Yeah. That timeout is egregious. Like it made no sense to me. It's like, just take the penalty run Hickson out there after he obviously for missed his assignment, but yeah, just yell at Corsac. Don't punt it. Just take the penalty. I, yeah, I, I have no idea why they burned it there. They were lucky they didn't need that timeout at the end of the game, especially considering like Jones was out of timeouts early. Even if you take the timeout, <laughs> take it with one second left. Why why take it with seven seconds left on the play clock, clock with, you know, 14 seconds left in the half? Just a huge question mark. Like that's that's coaching 101. That shouldn't be something you're concerned about with a professional head coach, but it's it's been a constant problem since he took over the reins, and it's still a concern. 
Now, obviously, it was a good thing that they play, were playing uh, one of the bottom two teams in the league with uh, it being the Edmonton Elks, and ultimately it didn't really matter in terms of, you know, how the game played out. But you can't do stuff like that against Winnipeg this upcoming Friday or Calgary the week after because those are, even though I think Calgary's going to be mid at, mid of the pack at best this year, you can't You're do so that against bad. them. because I might be right. I might be right this year. You might be. Uh, we'll... That's actually coming up next on the show here. Um, but yeah, it's just those questionable things. You would think year three as a head coach, you'd have this figured out by now. And there's just no growth from him whatsoever. And to the to the point, though, of being undisciplined, they did do a really good job. They weren't taking 15-yard penalties. Um, they weren't, you know, purposely somersaulting into referees and taking them out at the knees. <laughs> Uh, like we saw Jake Ceresna doing, and rightfully so penalized because you cannot do that. Um, I laughed at anybody who questioned that being a flag. It's like, it's a dumb it's a dumb penalty. It I will. It's it's a dumb penalty, but it's by the book. Like they have they, to call it. They have to. I wish you there can't was some you can't celebrate into a ref. I wish there was some discretion there because Tim Croker was saying he didn't mean it. I'm fine. Like. He what he didn't want to call it. He clearly did not want to call it. And then talking to the other referee, yeah, they had to throw the flag. But the onus where, where is do you, on the where player. Where do you draw the? The onus is on the player. You see this everywhere in pro sports. Everywhere in pro sports, you cannot touch a referee. You cannot. Zero contact. Zero tolerance. And you have to know as the player. You have to know your surroundings. Whether the ref is walking towards you and you do a somersault is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You cannot do that. You have to know the boundaries. You have to know situationally where everybody is around you. And if you do something like that and take a ref out at the knees, whether inadvertent or not, it doesn't matter. That's an automatic flag, and it was the right call. I just hate that it's one of those ones where if he does another one, then he's kicked out because that's where I think there should be some discretion um, allowed. But at the same time, I'm, you can't do it. It's it's unfortunately it's one of those zero tolerance calls because you got one you got one guy like basically ragdolling the referee going and I was just joking on appeal, like yeah this was completely by accident. But yeah, you touch an official, it's a flag. Just be aware of your surroundings. Maybe don't do a blind somersault after a sack. <laughs> like, pick better celebrations. Come on. All this being said, the Riders start out the season one and zero, which uh, we all had. We all got them. Got them right. Um, it almost ended and I got them with value. Game. I got them with value because somehow that line went from Riders plus two to minus three, or sorry, minus two to plus three. Yeah, there's a huge swing for for Edmonton there. I'm not sure why, um, but yeah. Um, bottom line, want to know starting the season out on a good foot, and uh, we'll see where they go from here. That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Com Brewing Company odds and end zones. Uh, um, you guys are going to duke it out here in a minute. But before you do, which team's team surprised you 
the most from week one, whether good or bad. Toronto Argonauts for jumping up to number two spot on the power rankings, despite not playing a game. Oh, sorry. That's next segment. Um, funny, I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to throw down. You son of a, never mind. <laughs> Uh, I don't honestly. Everyone who is who we thought they were, we, I expected BC to be Calgary. I've been calling for Calgary to take a step back for how many years now? And like I said, going into the season, I heard from actual players that Calgary was going to take a step down this year. Um, I thought Hamilton would be better. They came back. Like I was, I was legit concerned after that first quarter that it was going to be a drubbing. Uh, I'm glad they came back, but. Edmonton was who we thought they were, and no one really surprises me this week. I Ottawa's still bad, and Montreal barely beat them. So, what do you do? I I want to say I was surprised by somebody. The only thing that shocked me was Hamilton coming out so cold to start the game. I don't know. In a Grey Cup year, I expected them, and I said it last week that I expected them to absolutely come flying out of the gates. It's a team that hasn't won the cup in twenty four years. They haven't they're hosting the gray cup you think they come out flying i mean as a rider fan i don't know if i can really give a team crap for not performing during a gray cup year so i won't give them too much crap but to me that was the biggest surprise was the the tie cats first half i'm gonna say calgary here they surprised me because even though i have them also taking a step back this year i didn't think they would look that bad uh, i'm not sold on jake mayer as a franchise quarterback in the CFL. But I didn't think they were going to look that awful against BC. I thought they were going to be able to keep it closer than they did. Um, the final score honestly flattered the Calgary Stampeders. BC dominated that game, the entire game. And But even then, though, BC didn't look that good. They were good. I don't think Calgary is good at all. Like, I guess that maybe that shocks me is that they're not as bad as I thought they were going to be this year, but I didn't think BC looked like world beaters. Like this, like it's going to be Winnipeg and then everybody else in the West this year. It's, it, it's going to be a fight for second. Stevie looked like you had something to say there. No, I, uh, you can cut this part out, but I, my headset just decided to cut out there. So I thankfully missed the last minute of Greg's talking. It was delightful. <laughs> no we're leaving that in oh yeah we're leaving that in because that's going to set up just nicely how you guys want to argue with each other um over i power i don't rankings. So i don't cool. argue with him it's just he's so, wrong and i gotta tell him he's wrong there's a difference okay. between so keep it, explaining so keep to, in mind to somebody keep in mind when you argue with me you're also arguing with 58 percent of uh society as my completely statistical poll suggests. Yeah, Even the, after I edit it to make it better for you, well, you still no, lost. Because you, you put your thing out wrong and it's still not right. You're, you're not, What's they, wrong with people, it now? People don't understand what you mean. They're like, well, you can't because of a bye week. It's not because of a bye week. They haven't played yet. How, okay, how can okay. you grade a team that's never played? <laughs> well, we got, we got to set this up, up here. Okay, so this is all about power rankings, which haven't even officially come out yet from you, Steve. Um, but you have the Toronto Argonauts moving up, right? Despite not playing a game. Yes. To two. 
to number two. They are the league, defending champs. The Toronto Argonauts have not played a game this year. They've lost their starting quarterback from last year. And somehow they're the second best team in this league. Have you seen the rest of the teams in the CFL? They don't deserve to be number two. The but that wasn't that you your it, argument. It wasn't about the, the fact that they were number two or not. You had no they, issues they, with the placement. Be you had issues. They should be you had, three. You and had you issues them with three. them moving up during their, their, their bye week. So but I didn't move them already. up. I did not move Toronto up. I moved Hamilton down. And nobody below them to me did enough to jump above. Everyone else That's who the won problem. a game won two, went up two spots. Everyone who won a game went up two spots. The Riders won Correct. a game. And somehow the happy King Homer demotes them a spot. Even if I had kept them where they were, it wouldn't have changed where Toronto ended up in the standings. So that, again, that has no, nothing no, you're, to do with it. I'm just, okay, I'm just saying your entire power rankings are trash. But the fact of the matter is, Toronto being number two is the most egregious. See, but your your complaint here was that they managed to move during a bye week. Right? Yes. Or during a week where a they game. haven't played before. Right. So how... But the, okay. the issue, so when I posted them last week, there were no complaints. Nobody argued with them. Their power in rankings, our DMs, you saw them. them. Well, I'm talking. I'm talking in our group. They were pretty much agreed upon at that point. There were some question marks on on Toronto at three versus four, or you know Hamilton where they were, and absolutely, there was some (laughs) movement there. But given what we saw in week one, there was no way I could justify moving up that three, four, five any more than I did. Hamilton had to go down. They came out of the gates cold. Yes, they almost made it. They did make a game of it, but they did come out cold and looked bad against. I have no arguably problem the best team in the league. I have no problem how they But that's down. the only reason Toronto went up. Then BC should have went up because above them. BC, based on what? BC hasn't played Toronto. We don't know how they would do against Toronto. Tell me they'll why beat, they they'll, should they'll beat Toronto's ass. I'm telling you right now, they'll beat they, Toronto's ass. But all they did was beat a bad Calgary team. That's the problem. Is outside of Hamilton, Winnipeg. Everybody that won beat a bad team. Calgary is bad. Edmonton is garbage. Ottawa looks like so, okay, an absolute so dumpster fire. So, so here's the thing, though. So if if BC beat a bad team, how come they went up two points, two spots, because I, three? Because they looked more competitive in doing so. The Riders had to squeak it out with a goal line stand with three minutes left. They almost lost to Edmonton. They did not deserve to move up based on that win. Power of strength of schedule has to play into it a little bit. And we've already talked about it. It's week one. We don't know who anyone is. Don't give me strength of schedule BS. Rewind this 10 minutes ago where you said, rewind this 10 minutes ago where you said they are who we thought they were to every team that lost. So you can't give me that crap. should still be three. Toronto still should be three. Toronto should not have moved. And yes, don't do, you? Yeah. Okay, but this, Hamilton. This idea, this idea that no, a team can't no. move because they haven't played is garbage. They didn't move say, up. Power Hamilton moved dumb. down. Power Simple rankings as that. are dumb. I am doing. They're Curry fantastic right for doing Power exactly what they did. Dumb. This. They're great for exactly this reason because people get so bent out of shape over them. 
and it's so hilarious good. to me. <laughs> I just like to again point out: you thought I you had me. You th we throw this poll up, and almost sixty percent of people were on I my side. Okay, first of all, I didn't think I had you. I didn't think I had you. I knew so I'm right. Going to, I no 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 no. I knew, no, no, no that's no, it. We're good. Ooh, we can no, end no, this no, now. No, no, I knew people would agree. <laughs> we're with good. You. I knew people would agree with you because power rankings are dumb. And everyone th seems to think they have the magic formula. No one's argument that they've posted has been consistent. Everyone is all over the place. The fact of the matter is, you should not move on a bye week. It doesn't matter if it's week one, week two, week three, week four, week five. But it why? doesn't matter. Because you why? shouldn't. You don't play. But you teams around you anything. move all the time. But you never do. Teams around you are moving. It's, it's as simple as that. Teams around you can still move. So if suddenly Winnipeg is at, at one and Hamilton's at two and Winnipeg shits the bed and, and drops down a few spots, but there's nobody to put above them, what you just leave what you just leave Hamilton at two and leave first blocked off? Yeah, sure, why not? Why? That That's... might be a worse argument. No. <laughs> power rankings are dumb. <laughs> that is power your only that... argument, and that is what <laughs> I agree with. I've seen a power ranking today that had Montreal above the Riders, and I'm like, for what? They beat a really bad Ottawa team. Speaking of and we Montreal, know when we look at so when we look at power rankings, we all know exactly what they're there for and why everybody that that does this, them does this. them in the way that they do because they the reactions are fun. They're an entertaining way for people to argue about their teams without getting bent out of shape, unless you're Greg and. <laughs> <laughs> and they caught they get they get reactions and they get clicks. It, it's as simple as that. That's why everybody does them. And that's why a lot of people I try to make mine as honest as I feel they are. I don't usually put things every once in a while I'll throw a team around there just to just to get a reaction. I think I started Winnipeg at second place last year just to just to piss off Bomber Nation. That's that part's fun. The way people get angry about them to me, like legitimately angry sometimes, is is just beyond funny. Like I've gotten blocked over my power rankings. I've gotten yelled at and sworn at over my power rankings. It's it's entertainment. And that's just by Greg. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the CFL had their power rankings out. And so like last week they had Montreal at number nine. And this week, they after Montreal won, they moved him up to spot eight and said, is that, that better, Montreal Alouettes? And tagged them on Twitter and Instagram and everything on that. <laughs> so it's not just, you know, it's the league getting into it now with power rankings and, and doing it with teams. So Actually, no, who should be lost in the power rankings? CFL.ca and their stats. Oh, awful! Just awful stuff. How would you, can you, would you say this it's up? almost genius? Oh, if there's an ironic, if, if there's an ironic name, there's it right there. How can they not have this right? I, I've seen so many tweets being mad at TSN and Score and Sportsnet for not having stats when it's not their fault. Completely not their fault. CFL and G and Genius have completely fumbled the bag on this one, and it's embarrassing. 
Like it is sad how bad this is. They got to get this figured out by this week. If not, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, they actually still have it uh, wrong in the box score because I just brought up uh, Edmonton's passing and it's uh, Taylor Cornelius, 202 yards, uh, longest of 17. Um, yeah, <laughs> they had one yeah. that was about 80 yards longer than that. So uh, 85 actually. Um, but they just, yeah, it's just, it's it's embarrassing. It really is. And this is a league that wants you to take them seriously for fantasy football and get into sports betting and all that kind of stuff now. And they really want to put the onus on that. Well, you got to give us some stuff here. You got to help us out here, CFL. Like we're like we're trying to Still. like promote the game, and you're you're not getting the basic stuff. Like people want to know what your stats are, they want to know what your scores are, and you have the headline wrong on your page of your opening game last week. And by the end of the weekend, you still can't get the basic game stats up. It's just ridiculous. Uh, well, hopefully they have it figured out for week two. Uh, week two kicks off on Thursday with the rec laws. And uh, the Riders play on Friday uh, against the Bombers. The home opener, Dad's Night Out, Friday. At Lots 7. of seats yeah. available. Lots of seats available. Uh, probably close to about 40% of seats are available right now. Uh, it's that not is... looking good on the Ticketmaster map. Um, so hopefully Come on out and see a good, a good Kim Mitchell show. Yeah. Hopefully we get uh, a good walk-up crowd uh, because the weather's going to be great. I, I think it's a high at 24, so it should be about 20 degrees for kickoff. Like just beautiful, just perfect. Um, so hopefully uh, people come out. Oh, yeah. You can make the Kim Mitchell jokes, obviously. Um, apparently I no one someone, wants to go for a soda. I had someone try to tell me that the, the riders will be okay because there's gonna be a ton of walk-ups from Winnipeg. And I'm like, it's the home nope. opener. You do not want to hope that the visiting team comes and fills your stadium. Do they really think that Winnipeg fans are going to travel for a Friday night game? Apparently. When you lose an hour, when you have to cross the border, like that's not going to, you have to take the Friday off and people aren't going to take the Friday off just to come to Regina for a football game. Not from There's going to be so many open seats. Like it's going to, this weekend has got me scared. Should, should have made it nineties night. Stadium is going to look like it did in the nineties. Um, now with the game itself, looking at the bombers, what they did last week and just absolutely dominating the Ticats for 55 minutes of that game. If you're the riders, how do you stop that offense? I don't know, but I love my defense to try. Like I was, I, I can't think of too many times where the defense failed. Like I said, they had one big play and that defensive line, like Lanier looked great on the outside. Micah Johnson and Christmas up the middle. Oh my God. Linebackers look great. Defensive backs look great. Milligan was everywhere. Dulkey was everywhere. Marshall was everywhere. I think our defense can play with them. It's going to be a question whether or not our offense can match our defense's energy. To me, that's 100% what it is. It's, it's, I have no questions that the defense can, can keep us in this game. I point, point a better defense in the CFL right now. I don't think there is one. And I think the writers showed that week one, if they can't, 
if they can't keep it competitive against Winnipeg, we're going to have problems this year. That's they're the team to beat. This is the real show me game. <laughs> to me, it's 100% has to come down to whether or not Trevor Harris can bounce back. And there's a couple of matchups that I'm specifically looking forward to in this game. And that's again, the Riders secondary against the Bombers receivers. Um, the Bomber receivers were wide open all game long against Hamilton. We're not going to see that happen again. because That was a lot of falling down. And uh, Tunde Adelike had just an awful game. And I can't see oh, anybody so from the Riders bad. secondary being that bad. I just can't see that happening. And I like, I like um, Adelike as a player, but he got lit up constantly. He looked like a rookie out there. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, the rest of it comes down to ultimately the offensive line for the riders. Can they stop Willie Jefferson? Willie Jefferson looked like he was back up, you know, to his old tricks, uh, had pass knockdowns, had a sack or two in that game against Hamilton. Like he was phenomenal. He was everywhere. And now you have council and Lofton as your ends trying to block him. Can they stop him? So I'm going to be watching that also with the O-line. Can they have a consistent running game you know they're going to try it all game long but can they have success with it and if you can somehow use a running game to neutralize a guy like willie jefferson your offense is going to be going to be on the field a little bit more so uh, to me that's the big thing is just how that offensive line performs and how they use that offensive line uh, to stop a guy like willie jefferson but the one advantage i think we have this year over the 2022 iteration of the riders is we have a offensive coordinator who will actually stick with the run because the one thing you can't do against a team like Winnipeg and their defense is become one dimensional. And we did that too many times last year. You have to make them actually play the run. And if I feel like Kelly Jeffrey will do that and keep it, keep it consistent throughout the game make because if you give Willie Jefferson the ability to just pin his ears back and, and run at the quarterback he's going to kill somebody that's just it's just how it is he's going to get home time and time again but with a competitive def or a, a competitive run game it's a little less of a threat and on the opposite side of the ball I'm looking forward to the riders front seven up against the Winnipeg run game like I think they can hold, hold Olivier in check <laughs> And if they can do that, and you make make Zach Caleros one dimensional, yeah, he's he's good. But you don't need to worry about him putting the ball down and running all over you. So if you can keep him throwing the ball in the air, that's just going to help our DBs. Now, one thing as well, too. Last week, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell missed quite a few oh. deep balls against the Bombers' defense, where his receivers were open, and that's obviously a timing thing for Hamilton. They'll get that figured out as as they play. Uh, together a little bit more but if trevor if if the riders receivers can run like that the same way hamilton did against winnipeg if harris can hit a couple of those that might be the game right there because they always talk about how there's you know six or seven plays that define a game you don't know when those six or seven are coming um that could possibly be one or two of them so i'm i'm curious to see um if they do take shots downfield a little bit more in this game, just based off of what we saw last week from Winnipeg secondary. I totally love the fact that the game against Edmonton first play of the game, Trevor Harris came up throwing deep, like do that again. Like try it a few times on Winnipeg. Yeah. Why not show that it's going to be there. 
just as much as having a consistent running game, you have to make them respect the deep ball. You don't do that and you you're doomed. Period. Yeah, so it'll be quite the test for the for the riders this week against the BC Lions or against the BC Lions, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um it's really gonna show us what this team is made of. Um so I'm hoping that uh this is gonna be a very competitive game. I just it's it's going to be a really good test, and it's going to show us where this team is. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the batting line is kind of where you expect it, and that's where we're going to go. Where we're going to go here with the pick'em this week. Uh, we'll start with the Riders and the Bombers. Winnipeg's favored by five, which shouldn't be too surprising to to many people. Um, I'm going to take Winnipeg on that spread, but I think they just barely cover. I'm taking Riders out right. I think they're going well, to speak I'll, it I'll, I'll cut you guys in the middle and I'll take uh no, you know what? I was going to say Riders outright before Greg did. I'll I'll stick with my gut. Riders went it outright. Ah, hope you guys are right. Um the other games uh Calgary at Ottawa, Calgary minus 4. Oof. I don't I don't know where I stand on this one. Calgary did nothing to make me think they can actually beat Ottawa by 4. I'll take Calgary to win, but I think Ottawa covers. I mean, Ottawa winning by a field goal. I know, I'm getting there. Ottawa winning by a field goal seems, or within a field goal, seems oddly appropriate, given that's all they can do is score field goals. I I have to do it, you know. It's been right twice. How do I not? And with Calgary falling down... This might be the year that they finally match Ottawa's suckness. I'm I'm going to go ahead and uh, call the tie. He's taking the tie. Ooh. Taking the tie. Ottawa's starting Nick Arbuckle again this week. He was just terrible. Bad. Like, we were talking about how Taylor Cornelius was bad. Nick Arbuckle was awful. And I, I really like the person. I really like Nick Arbuckle and his story of getting to the CFL. That performance was one of the worst that you've seen from a guy who's been around the league four years. That was bad. So famously hates Mondays. And Ottawa's at home. We know they're gonna lose. Um, so for that I gotta take Calgary with the four point spread. Um Edmonton at BC, BC by six and a half. I think that might be a little bit too low right now. BC by BC twenty. <laughs> Week one last year, it was the home opener. It was the season opener for BC, and it was Edmonton at BC. And I think the final, what was it, 59 to 14 was the final yeah. score. And that was with One Republic playing the, the pregame show. They have LL Cool J doing the concert before this year. It's going to be something a like a phenomenon, and it's going to be up by 20. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna knock them out, just like Mama said. See, I can make Steve, I don't have, jokes too. I don't have a <laughs> cool J reference. Hit him high. Uh, I, hey, lover, what do you got? You got nothing? I was like, does he? This did he sing Gangsta's Paradise? <laughs> oh my god! I want to come there and strangle you. <laughs> I BC covered episode, by a long shot. Episode two twenty six, the one where Steve loses all credibility. <laughs> I don't know. I think I got the credibility in our argument, but you know, yeah, you, you keep telling yourself right you won there. that one. You just lost <laughs> it all right there by asking if he sang Gangsta's Paradise. 
Um, and the final game of the year, uh, the the keep battle of the QEW, Hamilton at Toronto. Toronto opens minus two, which means uh, if they win, they'll move up another two spots in the power rankings. Is that how yeah, it Yeah, they're, they're going to be point zero. They're going to be spot zero in the power rankings. I'm just going to hand them the one spot now, just, just to piss Greg off. No other reason. Toronto will be with week three, spot one on the power. Even if they lose... Chad Kelly's going to throw four interceptions. I, I'm calling right now. Chad Kelly's throwing like three to four interceptions in this game. <laughs> um, Hamilton's going to take it out, right? I think whatever that was ailing him against Winnipeg, they're going to have straight this week. And I don't think Toronto's going to be that good this year without uh, Macbeth. So I like Hamilton this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little fun with this game. I think Toronto wins, but Hamilton covers. Toronto wins one by point one. win. One point win. One point win. I mean, that'd be great for the league to have a good close game like that, right? Um, when you have two yeah, teams but... ranked so closely in power rankings, you know it's you know it's going to be a close battle. I'm coming over there to uh, kick you in the nuts. I'm going to drive from my house <laughs> to kick you in the balls. You have Goldie Mitchell against Chad Kelly. I'm not a Chad Kelly fan at all. Just based on that matchup alone, I'm taking Hamilton outright as well, too. They'll win this game. And I don't think it's going to be too terribly close. Like, it's double digits. I think Hamilton will figure it out before Toronto does with Chad Kelly. But they got new uniforms and everything. In the not, are they, Greg? Yeah, should we? Should they're we, they're should, not Cambridge blue. Yeah, let's should we look that up on Wikipedia? Uh, so which, no, they, uh, they 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 changed it back. <laughs> In church. True story. That actually color is called scuttle blue. It's not. It's not uh, Cambridge. Scuttle it is, blue. It is a part. It's a part of their color package, but they call it scuttle. But uh, apparently for these uniforms, they decided to call it Cambridge because um, they're lazy. Well, at least that'd be um, one time where if you got into it with somebody, you you might actually be right. So remember that old NBC thing? The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> the more you know with Greg. A new segment on the Pivots podcast. Greg is right. That shirt's coming out. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> well, well, we can start that episode next week when you're actually right. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's okay. That's okay. I'm sure I can go to Fiverr and buy a bunch of votes on uh, Twitter. Not like people have done that before. Come on. Do I win? Like so- do, do, do I win socks if I do it right? This isn't the CFL Twitter Awards, Greg. Come on. This is a legitimate thing here. That's a deep power rankings. Nothing more legitimate cut. than power rankings. <laughs> I'll have 5,000 votes by tomorrow morning. Just watch this. <laughs> what a time to be alive that was. Anyway, that's a little bit too inside baseball. I think, uh, yeah, I think we ran the shark. We jumped the shark here, guys. I think it's uh, time has run its course here. Uh, I'm pretty sure we jumped the shark when we started the show tonight. We just went off on a tangent. It's been beautiful. And we'll do it again next week as well uh, after the Riders-Bombers game. Uh, going into a Riders Stamps game, first one of the year. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but anyway, like 
the Riders beginning the schedule is a nightmare that the, they need to win at least four of, or they're going to be out of it completely. So we got one. So just like last year when they started four and one. Shh, don't yeah, remind the, me about the problem that. was don't all break. the West games were on the second half. Yeah, that that's exactly it. We had a lot of East <laughs> games to start. At least we're starting with the West. We can go four one against the West. We're in good shape. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, Piffles Podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well. Go out to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support, making this show possible. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. Power rankings are done. Uh-huh.